We will be reading from Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verses 10 through 18. You can read along with me if you'd like. And it reads as follows. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Thank you. Amen. You guys stand for a minute. So we continue today with um, the breastplate of righteousness in our spiritual armor. And I, um, I just want to pray for us as we uh, enter into talking about the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, it's interesting when you look, when you th- consider the armor... Uh, the breastplate righteousness, the, the breastplate on a soldier, uh, the total armament weighed maybe around 70 pounds, and the majority of that 70 pounds was, uh, was encased in the breastplate, and there was a specific reason for that. Um, first of all, just the space it was covering, but um, the the other thing was what it was protecting, and that's what I want to talk to all of us about for a few minutes today. But um, I just want to pose a question as we pray. I want to pray for you for a minute, but I want you to consider um, how your heart is doing. And when I say your heart, I'm not just talking about your physical heart. I mean your heart uh, as you are before God. I had a beautiful moment with Pat Kenny when Pat came up for uh, communion. He said last year this time. Uh, he said, I was getting heart stents put in. And um, I said, I'm glad you're alive. And he said, I'm really glad I'm alive. <laughs> anyway, um, so there, it, when we talk about our heart, we are talking about our physical heart, but we're talking about so much more. So I just want to pose that question as we enter into these few moments together. How is your heart? And I want you to think about that. So God, we hold our heart before you. We are so fearfully and wonderfully made, and God, uh, we do pray you would strengthen our hearts, so core to our relationship with you, with our own life, with those that we travel and journey with in this life, and every person that we connect with. So I pray that you'd be with us in these moments as we continue to look at our spiritual armor, consider the battle that we're in as people, and we pray that not only our hearts would be strengthened, but our hearts would be guarded 
and that you would teach us how to guard our hearts well. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray, thanking you in advance for what you're doing in this moment. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and sit down for a minute. So, um, so yeah, we, your heart uh, beats somewhere around 100,000, on average, 100,000 beats a day. Your heart will pump 2,000 gallons of blood in a day around there. There's about 60,000 miles of blood vessels and uh, arteries and veins that carry your blood throughout your body that your heart is pumping. Your heart is, your physical heart is about the size of your fist. Uh, It weighs maybe eight to 10 ounces and obviously has a profound impact on your life. The greatest cause of death in the world is heart failure, by far. Most heart attacks happen on Monday morning when people are heading into work, stress increases, cortisol begins to create problems in our body, and heart attacks happen. It's good to laugh when it comes to your heart, your blood flows 20%. Uh, more, you have a tw- up to a 20% increase in blood flow when you laugh with a deep belly laugh. So always remember to laugh, uh, especially about yourself. So that's our physical heart kind of in a nutshell, but I want to talk to us about our spiritual heart. Because the breastplate of righteousness obviously is an essential piece of armor, and what it is most essential for is protecting the most vital organs in our body. When you think about the breastplate of righteousness, it is there to protect your heart, certainly, primarily, that's the big one, but also your lungs, which is right up there. Um, When you think about the rest of your armor, um, you could get a sword wound in a leg and live through it. But if somebody puts a sword through your heart, you will probably not make it. There is a reason why that part of the armor is the heaviest, it is the most uh, cumbersome, and it is because it's protecting the most important part of you. I think when we think about uh, our spiritual armor and we read through this list, at least I've been like this at times, where my attention gets diverted to some other things that seem a little bit more fun to talk about or for different reasons, you know, like the shield of faith. It seems like there's things, you know, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, or my feet being shod with the gospel of peace, you know, those things that seem to get things done. Um, But I want you to consider today that possibly this may be at the core because this really, your heart and your, your interiority being healthy and strong and tended to and guarded well may be the most important part of your relationship with Christ and mine as well. In Proverbs 4, 23, the scripture says this, above all else, watch over your heart. Diligently guard it, because from a sincere and pure heart come the good and noble things of life. Let's read it together. Above all else, watch over your heart. Diligently guard it, because from a sincere and pure heart 
come the good and noble things of life. Now, the, the, the whole concept or word heart shows up around a thousand times in the scripture, and it does speak to much more than just our physical heart. When the Bible talks about our heart, it's kind of talking about the center of our existence, the center of our being. With our heart, we literally think, the scripture says, we're able to think with our heart. We're able to discern with our heart. Our heart is connected to our physical well-being. Our heart uh, leads us places. Our heart brings us strength. Our heart brings life to other parts of our body and other parts of our journey that are absolutely critical. Literally, your heart and mine is the most essential piece when it comes to the scripture of our physical being. If you were to, if you were to think of uh, the way that the Bible describes other parts of our, whether it's our mind or our, any other physical attribute that we have, there is nothing that even comes close to how often the scripture taps into this part of our being, our heart, our soul, our inner core, what we are about, how we think, what, what our desires are. Your heart is totally connected to your desires. It can get you into huge trouble and it can get you into amazing places of freedom. Your heart has the ability to take you places only God can take you partnering with your heart. And your heart can take you places that none of us ever want to be. So when the scripture, and in this scripture, in Proverbs, which the book of Proverbs alone, the word heart shows up over 90 times in the book of Proverbs alone. But this may be the centerpiece of all scriptures when it comes to the heart. Above all else, watch over your heart, diligently guarding it. Some versions simply say, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of your life. If you could imagine a river flowing through your life, everything passes by and through your heart. And then the instructive hereby, at that time, the wisest person in the world, Solomon, says this, Above all else, if you're going to pay attention to anything, there's nothing more important than this. Guard your heart. Diligently guard your heart. Literally, in the Hebrew, this means to double guard your heart. Like, think about the most intense way you could guard something and then double that. In other words, it's like when, when Jesus made those comments, for instance, when he would say 70 times 7, forgive someone, he wasn't really saying 490 times, forgive someone, and on the 491st time, forget about it. He was just saying, you're not going to reach that. So when Solomon makes this statement here and says, essentially, double guard your heart, he's just saying, guard it with everything you have. You could never give enough to guarding your heart. So I want to do a heart scan today. I want us to pay attention to our heart because there are some very specific places when you start to talk about guarding your heart, when I talk about guarding my heart, there are some very specific kind of attributes that we need to pay attention to, be attentive with. In Ezekiel 36, the scripture says this, I will sprinkle you with clean water and you will be clean. 
I will wash away all of your dirtiness and you will be clean and pure, free from the taint of idols. I will plant a new heart and a new spirit inside of you. I will take out your stubborn, stony heart and give you a willing, tender heart of flesh. Put my spirit inside of you and inspire you to live by my statutes and follow my laws. Now, as we go through the the list to pay attention to some things, we're all in different places, but all of us have the things I'm about to talk about in common. We all pass through these thoughts or ideas. Some of us are camped out on some of these places. And then we have various levels of we walk into this place, some of us are feeling really broken today, disappointed perhaps, let down, wondering what does tomorrow bring for my life. And some of us walk in here today saying, what can I just, I'm doing, this is like an amazing moment in my life, an amazing season. Dean walks in today and he's, he's a person of, he's, he's a walking miracle today. So we all walk in here with different places, but all of these places are something to give attention to. Know this, know this, that the promise of God is that he will plant, if we're willing, as we pay attention to and guard our heart, that God literally, whatever condition our heart is in today, that God can plant a new heart in us. He can, he can, God can heal us up totally, put a new spirit inside of us, take away any stubbornness in our life. We all have work to do on our heart. And the way that we pay attention to is we simply need to feel our heart or see our heart and then do something about it. The first place is this place that we need to set up a guard uh, around guilt. Guilt is something where I say, I owe you something. You say you, you owe something. Guilt in our life, when it comes to our heart, and the heart is one of the places where this is central, guilt is something that creates distance between us and others. If we walk around with guilt in our heart, if we're living with guilt in our heart today, it's created a separation for some of us. It's created a separation in our relationship with God. But it goes beyond that when you talk about guilt, we need to consider that it's creating perhaps separation even in our relationships with one another. Maybe a husband and a wife, there's hiddenness and you're carrying guilt and you're afraid, you're afraid of the chaos that may come if what's true about you were said or spoken or brought to the forefront. But know this, in order to properly guard your heart and in in order for me to properly guard my heart, I need to deal with my guilt and you need to deal with yours. The second place is the place of anger. Anger is that part of us that says, you owe me, that something has happened in our life and we feel like somebody has to pay us back. And if they don't pay us back, anger creates this place in us where we feel like I'll pay you back, but in a way you don't want me to pay you back. The big problem with anger, among many problems with anger that's not properly kind of processed and dealt with and that we allow set up in our heart, is anger leaks. Anger leaks into all kinds of areas in our life. You can't help it. Anger is never just contained in the single place that you want it to be contained. For instance, if you 
uh, had some really difficult thing when you were a little uh, a child that happened to you. And if there's this place where anger, and rightfully so, anger has welled up in your life, but there hasn't been this process of trying to help healthily get that healed up in your life, you can think that your anger is only having an effect on those people that mistreated you, but it leaks into other relationships. And if anybody ever does anything to us when anger is an issue that triggers us to remind us of the, of the thing that made us angry in the first place, even if the anger is proper. Because anger is not an, an unwholesome uh, emotion at, in surface. We should be angry about certain things. But to guard my heart, I don't camp on anger. I don't want anger to become bitterness in my life because then that bitterness begins to leak into other parts of my life. Then there's greed. Greed simply says that I owe me. We need to be, Jesus literally said, be on guard for all kinds of greed in the book of Luke. The assumption when it comes to greed is that everything that comes my way is for me to consume. It's mine. It's my stuff. And then there's lust. And lust is place in us that in our heart we can begin to be hidden and begin to think that every desire that comes my way owes me something. It's interesting because we talk and we talk around here a lot because desire, there's good desires and bad desires. And I would say that culturally we live in a culture where we just say, you know, I mean, we used to say there was this saying years ago, decades ago, it was like, if it feels good, do it. But we still really kind of live by that. It's almost as if, if you have a desire to do something, that in itself makes it right and good. But the scripture, when it comes to guarding our heart, makes it much more clear than that. That there are desires that are definitely not good, and there are desires that are good. Jesus himself said that if you pray in faith, that you'll get the desires of your heart. Well, certainly Jesus wasn't saying that you're going to get the bad desires of your heart. What he was essentially saying was when you come into agreement with my desires, when your desires are good, right, and well, then those things can come to pass in your life. But it's those desires that are dark, that lead us into dark and wrong places, that we feel like somehow they owe us something. These places enter our life primarily through our eyes and our ears and our mouth. It creates fantasy in our life. It's where pornography comes from. It creates soul ties that are that are deeply damaging to us. And we want to believe that it's not true. But the scripture says to guard your heart. Jesus himself said, I will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus asked many people throughout scripture, what do you want me to do for you? But it was always with the assumption that the desire was connected to his goodness to God's goodness. And then there's jealousy and envy. Jealousy and envy would say life somehow owes me something. 
which really ultimately means God somehow owes me something. It's that place in us, if we're not careful, where we allow things to happen, where somebody gets blessed somehow, or somebody gets the promotion we didn't get, or somebody gets the blessing that we didn't get, that somehow we feel like they took that from us, and we can become jealous or envious of what others have been given, promotion, other types of things. One of the things to pay attention to in this place of jealousy and envy is if you secretly desire for somebody to suffer loss. It's evidence of jealousy and envy as if, as if somebody else being blessed somehow cuts you off from the lifeblood of God. Understand the enemy is trying to get into your heart and destroy you. The enemy uses guilt, the enemy uses anger, the enemy uses greed, the enemy uses lust, the enemy uses envy and jealousy to get us into a place of vulnerability. The scripture says, take up, put on the breastplate of righteousness and guard your heart. Because you have an enemy, don't fool yourself, that is trying constantly to move primarily into these areas of your heart and get a foothold I love what Andy Stanley says when it comes to these kinds of things. He says, following Jesus will make your life better and it'll make you better at life. I believe that when we pay attention to our heart, when we, when we bring our heart before, our heart space before God and say, you know what, God, as it says in the scripture, cleanse my heart. David says in Psalm 51, create in me a, a new heart, purify my heart. that God can breathe life into us and really give us the best life that we could have. But there's an answer for all of these kind of attacks or these strategies of the enemy when it comes to our life. When it comes to guilt, the clear step to, to just guard your heart and get your heart back on path fully is simply confession. Confession is the antidote for guilt in our life, the place where the enemy tries to set up camp. Certainly confessing to God is one thing, but it's also confessing to one another. James says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. This is hard, isn't it? Because what happens when we start to think about confession, if we are guilty of some things, if there is hiddenness that needs to be confessed of, there's this place in us that immediately goes to the chaos that probably is going to come if I'm upfront about things that I'm guilty of. But the scripture encourages us and says, as you guard your heart, as you cleanse your heart, as you confess your sins one to another, healing comes, blessing comes, goodness comes, increase comes. The antidote to anger for our heart when it comes to guarding our heart is just be people of forgiveness. It's just to be the kind of people instead of saying you owe me, just to say you don't owe me anymore. You don't owe me anymore. Some have a problem with this because you say, well, that's canceling the debt. Yes, it is. It's canceling the debt. It's exactly what it is. And do you know who gets freed from it? The person you cancel the debt for and who else? You get freed from it. You are now free in your heart. Your heart is guarded from a place where the enemy is trying to bring anger and let it leak into other areas of your life.
Be specific about what was taken from you because there have been things taken from you or done to you. There are horrible things that happen to us at times in our lives. But let's be the kind of people that have the courage to say, you don't owe me anymore. The crazy thing about it, isn't it, is like when we're angry at people because this is one of my big places of constantly needing to come back and say, God, guard my heart here. Help me with this. Is, is it's, it, it could be almost ridiculous, right? Like there's people that don't even know you're angry at them. And you're like carrying this thing around. It's the devil, his attack on your life. The antidote to greed when it comes to our heart is, this is a big revelation, is to give. It's to give. I remember, and I would say this, it's to, it's to give an amount or give in a way that is big to you. In a way that is big to you. Like a, in a way that it feels, it, you feel something when you give it. I remember... Uh, the first building fund that Claire and I gave to back in the Detroit area, the church we were in, uh, we gave to that first building fund $250. Now, uh, that was a lot of money for us. That, that was a big, that, that was us giving big. That was big to us. Claire and I made, I don't know, we were probably making around $10,000, $12,000 that year. $250 was a lot of money. We felt that. Now, for some of us at this point in our life, $250 doesn't feel, we wouldn't even feel $250. Some of you are saying, I wish I had $250. But you get what I'm saying. To give, to break that spirit of greed in our culture and the enemy tries to camp in, in our life. See, what happens to us is, you know that every time you give into an offering, that becomes a freeing opportunity of guarding your heart. I'm guarding myself from consumptionism and from materialism and from the spirit of this world and the things that the enemy tries to drive me where my heart can be driven by greed for things, for money, for, for items. There's nothing wrong with those. There's nothing wrong with your beautiful home or your beautiful car or whatever you have. All of those things are great, but it's a problem if we have greed in our heart. What is the antidote for lust? What is the answer for it? It's love. The antidote for lust is love. Dallas Willard says, Willard says, desire must be subordinate to what is good. This is the place where we have to pay attention to desire. Is, are my desires subordinate to what is good? Is everything about what I'm desiring good for everybody involved? Not just do I feel good about it, but is this desire something that is pleasing to God? Willard goes on to say this. He says, really, we must pay attention to our desire, our lust or our longing. If we're to understand spiritual formation, we must understand that desire is not bad in itself. But if we allow it alone to control us, it will destroy us. And it will destroy everyone around us because desire is not determined by what is good. And that leads us to one of our deepest cultural quandaries that reaches into the very heart of every church. The cultural quandary is the idea that we can know what is good independently of what we want. 
The prevailing idea is that it is only desire that tells us what is good. And then love, which should be directed to what is good, is distorted to what you want. He says one of the best illustrations of this point is when a person says that they love chocolate cake. But of course, he doesn't really love chocolate cake. He wants to eat chocolate cake. And that's very different from loving chocolate cake. If you were a chocolate cake and you heard someone standing by saying, I love chocolate cake, you would not expect a knife coming next. (laughs) He says that illustration helps show us that there's a distinction between what, what is loved and what is desired. They are not the same thing. Love is always directed to what is good. You love something if you are set to advance what is good for it. So if you love chocolate cake, you would be taking care of it and not eating it. Love seeks the good of what is loved. Desire seeks to have its way with what is desired. To love rightly is, of course, what redemption is all about. The purpose of redemption is to bring us to love rightly. Guard your heart. Those things that are going on when it comes to lust and misplaced desire in any of our lives is an unguarded place. Even if no one else knows about it besides you and God, it is an unguarded place. Love is to choose what is good, right, and pure for all who are involved. And that leads us to this last place of guarding our heart. When it comes to jealousy and envy... See, what what happens when we become jealous and envious is we do, we, we begin to think that others are blessed at our expense, like somebody got the blessing that was ours to have, and it's just, it's not true. It's a lie that the enemy sets up in our life, and it keeps us from celebrating, and that's why some of us even go to a place where we start to feel like it would be good, or we may even imagine it would be good if that person got somehow punished Our culture is so full of this. Our our political system is so thick with this problem. Our national leaders live at this address. Hoping for pain for one another and the positions simply because somehow they lost out. It's evil. And it is an unguarded place in our nation. The most beautiful picture of Christianity and faith, most of us would agree, is when we see a Christ follower suffer well. When somehow a Christ follower has this ability to go through the pain of life and tragedy, full of faith, full of encouragement for others, Celebrating the blessing. The antidote for jealousy and envy is celebration. It's the ability to celebrate for others 
and celebrate what you have been given, no matter what your lot. That breaks a spirit of envy and a spirit of jealousy, and it cuts off the enemy's space in your life. It's interesting, when our son Paul died, um, Kathleen and Sean were pregnant for Isaac. Isaac was due right around the same time. And then we had John, uh, Claire's, she had just had Isaac, and Claire's uh, brother John and sister-in-law Irene, they were about to have uh, their daughter Anna, and we were all really close. uh, And um, I remember people saying to Claire and I uh, that there was almost an expectation that that should bother us. Um, And one of the greatest gifts in our life was shortly after Paul died, Sean and Kathleen intentionally brought Isaac to be with us so that, so that we could celebrate our nephew and their joy. See, the world would tell us that somehow we get shorted out by somebody else being blessed. Let me explain something to you very clearly. God is way big enough to bless all of us more than we could ever imagine at the same time. There's not a limit to that. So you doing well takes nothing from me. So I celebrate that. I hope for that. Quite frankly, I pray for it. So it's important that we pay attention to our heart, that we guard our heart, And I just, I, I want to I just kind of bring this together with bringing us back to the question that we started. Then I want to read a scripture over us as a prayer. And I want, I want you to think about how your heart is. How's your heart doing today? And what can you do maybe to guard your heart even more fiercely than you've been guarding it previously. Is everything okay with your heart? Is there anger in there? Is there guilt you're carrying? Is there greed in your heart? Is there lust, things hidden? find yourself hoping for bad things for other people? Is there jealousy, envy? Let's bring that to God. Let's give that to God. God promises that he'll give us a new heart, a new spirit. Get rid of any stubbornness in us, anything stony or hard, anything unwilling. He'll give us a willing and tender heart. God is able to do that. Now, if you would, as you're considering your heart, I want you just, if you're comfortable with it, if you're not, just go ahead and close your eyes. And I just want to pray a scripture over you. And if not, just receive this scripture. If you, in whatever way feels like, would be good for you in this moment. Colossians 3. 
Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is your life, who is your life appears, then you will also appear with Christ in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body you are called to peace, be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the spirit singing to God with gratitude in your heart and whatever you do whether in word or in deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him and now God we receive your word for us we receive the healing of your word we receive the cleansing in our hearts, strengthening and the guarding. Thank you that you're with us, God. Thank you for your protection. But as we go from this place into our lives, out into the other places that we live and move and have our being, help us to live with guarded, healed, softened, vibrant hearts. Thank you for the breastplate. Thank you for the armor. Thank you for everything we absolutely need for this life we live. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, guys. Have an amazing week.